Where is the church in this pandemic? Why has the church been silent when it comes to the social justice issues we face as a nation? How can the church say they have God in their hearts while they have hate on their lips? Why isn't the church doing more? These are the questions that are being asked in our world today. These might be questions that you yourself have asked in the last six months. And you know what? I can't answer these questions. Not totally. Can't. It's not for me to answer these questions. It's not for you to answer these questions. These are good questions from a lost world that doesn't understand what's going on. These are good questions. But I submit to you, church, that today these are questions for us to have to answer. For these are questions of the church, so the church needs to answer them. Unfortunately, too many of the answers that are circulating are inaccurate and untrue. And it goes to show, Westmead, that the church, the capital C church, is a church in an identity crisis in our day and age. Now, now understand, when I say that the church is, is in an identity crisis, I'm not saying that God is. God is not having an identity crisis. But we as the church are struggling with showing the world exactly who God created us to be. We have made church a location or an event rather than an identity. And over the next several weeks, church, we're just going to spend some time unpacking what God's Word clearly calls us to be as His church. Because the identity of church is more than a building, a classroom, an event, or a day of the week. It's who we are if we obey. When we talk about the church, the church is described in a number of ways. I've already referenced one. One of the main ways the church is described is the capital C church. You will hear it commonly talked about. The capital C church means the church universal. And I'm not talking about universalism. I'm talking about the church. Those that are found and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Those who profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Those who are Followers of God through Jesus Christ initiated by the Holy Spirit. When I talk about the capital C church, I'm talking about the body of believers all around the world, past, present, and future. I'm talking about the body of believers that in Scripture clearly tells us Jesus will one day return for His church. When I say the capital C church, I'm talking about all of us that profess Jesus as Lord. Then we have, I guess you would call it the little C church. I've never heard it called the little C church. It's called the local church. Westmead is a local church. It's a congregation. Our city, our county has a lot of local churches that we are partnering together to reach this area for the lost, for the sake of Jesus Christ, and for more. When we talk about the church, there's other ways we refer to the church. We have the visible church. What I mean by the visible church is 
is if there's somebody driving down the belt line and they look over and see this structure, knowing it's a Sunday, it's, a, it's an image of the visible church. Even if it's on a Tuesday afternoon and they see it, it's an image of the visible church. When the church has events at different places and people see them, it's known as the visible church. Next month we have the Westmead Golf Tournament that's going to be happening down at Point Mallard. And when people see that, they're going to see the visible church. What I'm looking at right now is a visible representation of the church. But there's also the invisible church. And what I mean by the invisible church is this. When you're at the grocery store and you're walking around, there are other members of the church in that grocery store with you. But because there's nothing physically identifying them, they're known as the invisible church. When you're walking around the grocery store and people don't know you, you're the invisible church until you profess Jesus as Lord and it becomes visible to them that that's what you proclaim. Do you all see the difference? Still thinking about it? Different ways the church is understood. And this morning as we talk about the church, we need to go back to the first time we see this term church used in Scripture. Now, in the Old Testament, there's a phrase called the ecclesia that a lot of people, that's what actually traces back to the early dates and times of when we see the first idea of church. But ecclesia is the called out ones, the chosen ones, the set apart ones. Well, I'm talking about the word church. And you don't have to turn there because I'm going to walk you through it. And this is not our passage. Actually, we're going to be in Ephesians uh, here in the next few minutes if you wanted to go ahead and turn there. But, but if you look in Matthew chapter 16, you see an incredible exchange between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says to them, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And of course, if anybody's going to answer first, we know it's going to be Peter. And Peter speaks up, and he actually gets one right, and he says, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God, in Matthew 16, 18. And Jesus looks at him and he says, you know what? Your human mind can't comprehend what you just said. That was revealed to you by God alone. Actually, that's not 16. It was right before 16, 18, because this is what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18. He says, and I tell you that you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I want to understand what Jesus is talking about here, because this is where Jesus mentions the word church for the first time. What he's talking about is after Jesus professes that Jesus, after Peter professes Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, Jesus stops right there. He says, only God revealed that to you. And I need you to understand, Peter, he calls him Peter. He actually called him Petrus. Petrus in the Hebrew is a term for stone or pebble, something very small. He says, I tell you what, pebble, you are, you, you are the pebble, but on this rock. And down that word, he used the word Petra. Petra means boulder or cliff something firm and immovable. And we just talked about how God is unshakable. I love how that just lines up. God God does these things better than we can. He says, but on this rock, on this Petra, I will build my church. The rock he's referring to is himself. The church itself is built on Jesus Christ. And what he was talking about when he said, you, Peter, you're a stone, you're a pebble, what he's talking about here is exactly what Peter just professed. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. But he said, that is what helps build my church for the people that profess that will be a part of building my church. The stones, the pebbles like Peter, like us, 
will build the church, but only when we begin with the confession that you, Jesus, are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, which leads me to the first thing I want to make sure we are all very clear on when we talk about an identity crisis within the church. You cannot belong to the church if you do not belong to Christ. We have to understand this, church. The organization, whatever we want to label it with, it is the church. It's not a secret society. It's not a club. It's not exclusive. It's not determined by man. It is the church. It is God's church. It is His people who are called by His name and confess Him as King and Lord and Master. You have to understand, we can't be a part of something when we're not part of something. We cannot belong to the church if we do not belong to Christ. And here's the beautiful thing. This goes back to what Peter, Peter's confession, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God because how we belong to Christ is through salvation. The gospel that transforms us beginning with our hearts and it radiates all throughout the rest of us. When we talk about you can't belong to the church if you don't belong to Christ, we have to understand that the rock that the church is founded on is on Christ. We can't bypass that to be a part of the church. Now, on another Sunday, we're going to get into local membership and what that means and how we deal with that. But I need you to understand that regardless of where you are this morning, and I'm not talking about Westmead membership. I'm talking about the capital C church because I said we're going to talk a lot about that today. It starts with a relationship with Christ. And this morning, if you've ever wavered, if you're not sure, if, if you just know for a fact, I don't have a relationship with Christ, I'm not being intentionally offensive, I'm being biblically honest with you. you, you don't belong to the church if you don't belong to Christ. Because the desire is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and then through that relationship opens the doors for the relationship you have with His church, His bride. So this morning, if you're not a part of the church, hear me when I say this. God loves you. God loves you to the point that He sacrificed His only Son so that you would know that He loves you. He gave up that which was most precious to Him so that you could become precious to Him, so that I could become precious to Him. And all it takes, according to God's Word, is for us to understand and accept what Jesus has done, the payment of His blood on the cross shed for our sin. Receive, accept that as truth. Believe that with your heart. Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. And today I ask you the question, what's stopping you? I love the testimony of Heath in the water, a symbolic obedience to what God has done in our life that we want to obey by showing others a public declaration of how God has transformed us on the inside and, and following Christ's example of being baptized. But it started way before he's got in the water, church. I hope you know that. It starts with us giving our life to Christ willingly and letting him transform us. If you have never done that this morning, please don't leave here without knowing that for sure. But I want to keep moving on. I want to keep understand because as we get started in our view of the church, as we get started in studying God's word of how he has called us, we need to understand that how God equips and what God expects from His church. You guys remember Shoney's? 
About half of your heads looked up when I said that. I'm not even exaggerating. Y'all remember Shoney's? I loved Shoney's. There was one reason why I loved Shoney's. Y'all know what that reason is? <laughs> that was like 43 reasons. You actually provide my point that I'm going to be making in a minute. The breakfast bar. Yeah, I, I heard somebody. Yeah, the breakfast bar. Biscuits, eggs, sausage, bacon, grits, gravy, pancakes even. I actually found a uh, Shoney's in another state one time that had cinnamon rolls on their breakfast bar. It was good. It was good. There's that amen. There's that. It was good. It was real good. I love the breakfast bar. You know, Shoney's, man, they struck gold when they hit the breakfast bar. And they were sitting back one day, I would imagine, and said, hey, you know what? Not everybody's a morning person, but the breakfast bar is the breakfast bar. So let's put it at night. So they put the breakfast bar on like one or two nights a week. And then I was really happy because then I didn't have to wake up and get there by 10, you know? So we got to do the breakfast bar. And then I guess Tony somewhere sat around and said, hey, you know what? This buffet thing's going really well. Let's do a, uh, a seafood bar. Yeah, let's do a seafood bar on Friday night. They started doing a seafood bar. I guess that went well. I never participated. They said, hey, let's, let's do an Asian cuisine bar on Tuesday night. So they tried that. You know what happened is over a period of time, their breakfast bar kind of deteriorated. It wasn't as good. It wasn't worth waking up for. It was all right. You know, if we don't have we can go there. But they fell into a, a little ditch to where they started doing a lot of things okay that they stopped doing something really, really great. And unfortunately, a lot of Shoney's closed their doors around the nation, and I still miss them. But you know what? When I was thinking about Shoney's, I have never gone to an Asian cuisine restaurant expecting to get a good Southern-style breakfast. Have you? No? I've never gone to Red Lobster and ordered their lo mein. Have you? That, that lo mein's an Asian cuisine thing for those feeling. Gotcha. Thanks. You know why? Because you want to go and be a part of something that be a part of what they do really well. Shoney's started doing things, a lot of things okay, they stopped doing something really well. And guys, the church has fallen into this rut where we've gotten away from doing exactly what it is that we're supposed to be known for and we've started chasing after all these things to make people around us happy, to stay relevant. Church, you understand, there is a God and as long as God is, the church will be relevant because there will be man who deal with sin. The church needs to, we don't need to reinvent ways to have church and to pursue the lost with the gospel and to make disciples. It's clearly written out for us in the manual. But we fell into the trap of getting away from doing what we were called to do with excellence and started doing a lot of things just okay. Westmead, if we're going to understand our identity and start living it out, then we have got to understand that our identity will be defined by what we do and who we do it for. That's your identity. Who you are is determined and reflected by what you do and who you do it for. Why? Because who we are determines what we do. If we claim to be a people of God, then the level of our obedience to the commands of God will either illuminate Christ in us or expose us for the liars that we are. 
I'm going to say that again. I had to write it down just to make sure I didn't misrepresent. If we claim to be a people of God, Westmead, does Westmead claim to be a people of God? Okay, then we better pay attention because this is us then. If we claim to be a people of God, then our level of obedience to the commands of God will illuminate the Christ in us or expose us for the liars that we are. What we claim based on our obedience. So this morning I want us to look at the three purposes of the church. The three purposes of the church. Because if we have an identity crisis and what we do reflects who we are obedient to, then we need to understand what our purpose is so we can do it right. So the first thing I want us to see is that Westmead Baptist Church should have a ministry to God. Westmead Baptist Church should have a ministry to God. What I mean by that is in our relationship to God, the church's purpose is to worship Him. A ministry to God is worship. Because that is our relationship we have. That is the context of how we have relationship with God, is to worship Him. You know, worship, a simple definition of worship is an outward expression of an inward reality. You know how we worship God when we gather together in this room on a Sunday? We sing. We sing. And when you talk about singing, you have a bunch of various opinions on people and singing Let me just ask you this. I'm not going to do this to you, fellas, because I am one of you, and I don't want to hurt you. But if we were to get a microphone, and we were to get a mic, and we were to set it down here, and we say, hey, this mic is live, and I need to know who has the best wife in the room. If you believe you have the best wife ever, you come down and plead your case into this microphone. Don't answer out loud because you're probably getting looked at if your spouse is sitting near you. But how many of you would sit silently in your pews? I would hope it would not be you. But maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's not ir- irrelevant. What if I put a microphone down here and said, all right, who has the best grandkids out of anybody in this room? Good cue. Coming from the, the most recent grandparents, Levi and Savannah. Hey, did Levi plays drums? They had their baby on Friday. And congratulations to you guys, first-time grandparents. You would be on that line, wouldn't you? I bet that would anybody else be joining that line? Mmm. Mmm. I would say if we had a microphone here to come brag about your kids, but I don't want to put you on the spot. You'd get in line for that, wouldn't you? Hold on, I wrote this down. I, help me out with this. This is our audience participation part. Y'all ready for this? War Eagle. Is that right? Is that what everybody says? Huh? What do you say? Is that what you say when you hear War Eagle? Hmm. When we gather together, we sing. If we put a microphone down here for grandchildren or whatnot, we would line up. Because when given the opportunity, we brag about what we value, don't we? 
We brag about what we value. What we value deep down inside, we put on display. Maybe it's at our house. Maybe it's on our car. Maybe it's on our clothes. It's definitely on our lips. Maybe it's on the pictures on our phone. We value, we display what we value, do we not? So when the church gathers to fulfill the purpose of the ministry to God, we should openly exalt the name that is above all names. And that is the name that is above your name of your spouse. That's the name that is above the name of your grandchildren. That's the name that's above the name of your football team and your head coach. That is the name that is above your awards at work. That is the name that is above your accomplishments and your achievements. It is the name above every name. The name that is only worthy of our worship. And when we don't choose, when we choose not to participate with the church in bringing exaltation to that name, we choose to refuse to serve in the ministry to God. Our relationship with God is to worship Him. And you put on display what you value. I get it. Everybody has their opinion on singing. You're not singing to anybody in this room. I said War Eagle, and there was a reaction instantly. I say Jesus Christ, and we get silent. And don't say it's because of reverence. Put on display what you value inside. We were created to worship. I want to turn you to Ephesians chapter 5. Look at what Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 5. He talks very specifically about this. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15, this is what he writes. He says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Don't miss that phrase, church. It's in God's Word. Don't miss that. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's Word just told us to sing because God's worth it. It's the purpose of the church is to bring Him worship because it's a testimony for our lives. It's a joy for us to brag on God to God. And it's a testimony of those around us of what we value because we're putting it on display. Church, we are called. The purpose of the church is to worship. And we have fallen into this rut probably about 30 to 40 years ago Then society started shifting to whatever it makes you happy, do it. Whatever feels good for you, do it. Whatever you're comfortable with, do it. That is not in line with God's Word. And we're going to live by the Word or we're going to live by the world. You have to choose. But if your identity is in the church, which means your identity is in Christ, the choice should have already been made. So our purpose, firstly, is a ministry to God in worship. Wayne Grudem wrote this in his book, Systematic Theology. He said, worship in the church is not merely a preparation for something else. It is in itself fulfilling the major purpose of the church with reference to its Lord. Mm. 
I can imagine just a parade. Parade of the church just recognizing and magnifying and exalting and lifting up the name of Jesus. That's our purpose is to worship Him. Second purpose we're going to look at today is Westme Baptist Church should have a ministry to believers. A ministry to believers. In relationship with God, our role is worship. In relationship with each other, the church's purpose is to build up and to nurture fellow believers in Jesus Christ. I want you to flip one page over, maybe even on the same page, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, I want you to see this in verse 12. Actually, we'll start in verse 11. I know it's not up there, guys. That's my fault. Verse 11 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, gave the prophets, gave the evangelists, gave the pastors, gave the teachers. Why did he give? Verse 12, To equip his people for works of service, also known as ministry, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I know it's only two verses, but let's have a little review, shall we? Equip for work for works of service and ministry, building up the body of Christ, unified, grow in knowledge, becoming mature in faith. When we talk about the church's ministry to believers, guys, it goes way beyond food and fellowship. It starts with discipleship. It has to start with discipleship and effective ministry to fellow believers. Church, let's go down from the big C to the local congregation. Westmead, I stand before you honest and ashamed to say we're not great at this at this church. I don't know if I'm not supposed to reveal... We struggle in the area of disciple-making here. Why? Because we have lost the goal of discipleship and we put it under the umbrella of programs. And it's time for Westmead as well as the Capital C Church to live out their identity and get back to the point of making disciples. I really need you to hang with me for a few minutes because somebody's going to get upset because you're not going to hear what I'm trying to share with you. But I've got to tell you the truth of what God's Word is pointing us to. The ultimate goal of the church and our ministry to believers is not just to get people saved. The ultimate goal of the church is not just to get people saved, but to take a new believer and do this, equip them for ministry, bring them into unity with the church, teach them, and help them mature in their faith. Why? So that they can be equipped to go and do ministry, to go and do likewise, to lead others into a relationship with Christ, and then bring them into fellowship with Christ It's the difference between a disciple and a follower. And if you go and read the Gospels, if you go and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see several instances where many followers turned away from following Jesus. Even disciples did, but the most common thing we saw when people rejected and walked away from Jesus, they were listed as followers. Church, our goal, the purpose of the church is not just to bring people in the doors and get them saved. The idea is for us to make disciples. And for us to just focus on getting people saved, we will be living in disobedience to the commands of God. You see why I wanted you to listen closely? I'm not against getting people saved, okay, church? But I'm against 
getting people saved and then just leaving them where they are and going and looking for somebody else. We've got to build disciples. Jesus took 12 men and spent three years with them. He still professed. He still proclaimed. He still preached truth. But he discipled 12 men. Church, we've got to get back to the art of disciple making. From new believers to seasoned believers. None of us are there yet. Including this guy. So we need to make disciples in order to be obedient. We've got to be faithful in discipleship. Paul said it best in Colossians 1.28. He said, he being God, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. We are called to make disciples in our ministry to believers to equip and nurture the body of Christ. And the third purpose I want us to see is that Westmead Baptist Church should have a ministry to the world. We should have a ministry to the world. Now, this is, this is the ministry, this is the purpose in which we get to answer Christ's great commission and how he loved the world, we love the world as he did. This is our opportunity. Telling the world of the love of Christ is the primary goal for the church's ministry to the world. You might say, well, Justin, you just said, no, 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 that's why I asked you to pay attention, okay? Our ministry to believers is discipleship. Our ministry to the world is evangelism and benevolence. Our primary goal in our ministry to the world is evangelism. But church, hear me when I say this. It's absolutely true. Evangelism must be accompanied by compassion. We cannot just show up and tell them the story of the gospel. For most lost people need more than that, particularly in this world of skepticism. We've got to show them the love of Christ. We don't need to just tell them the gospel. We show them the gospel. You don't have to turn there. It's going to be on the screen. But I want to show you what Jesus talks about this in Luke, Luke chapter 6. There's a few verses in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 32. This is what Jesus said. We have to understand that when we love a lost world, a ministry to the world, that it's going to take work and sacrifice. Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. Verse 35, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Your version might say he is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. And let me tell you, I can attest to that personally. For I am selfish. And I am ungrateful. And in my human heart, I am wicked. And he is kind to me. And I don't deserve it. But God. Church, we have to understand in our ministry to the world, we can't just tell them about the love of Christ. We must demonstrate to them the love of Christ. Why? Because we tell people about love 
in a proportionate manner how we show them that they are loved. When we tell people about love, it is held in proportion to how we show them that they are loved. We have a ministry to this world. And it's beyond evangelism. It's compassion. We have a benevolence ministry at this church. And I, I, I just, little confession time for you. Two weeks ago when we had Lord's Supper, I forgot to call for a benevolence offering. We usually do that. If you got a couple of bucks, put it. Because we have people that come to this campus looking for help for water bills and for power bills. They're looking for food. They need gas to get to, to work. We have people that come here for that. And we love the privilege of sitting down with them and not just saying, well, here's a gift card. Here's a meal ticket. Hey, let's go fill your tank up with gas. But to understand to them why we're doing it. You got to remember in the Gospels when Jesus is healing all these people, when they came to him, he wasn't like, now, do you accept me as Lord and Savior? Now, now do you, do you want to follow me? Before I heal you, I need to know. What did he do? Every single person he healed them. You think every single person stuck with him to the end? I guarantee you they didn't. There's actually a story of ten lepers that came to Jesus. He healed all ten of them and they all went away. And what happened? Only one came back. And he said, where's the other nine? He didn't rescind his miracle of healing them. God, Jesus Christ, loved them in abundance and showed them what compassion was. Because it opens the door for the gospel. When you give, when you provide for somebody who can't provide for themselves, you've created the perfect illustration of what God has done for us. Compassion to go along with our evangelism. Westby must have a ministry to the world. A ministry to God. A ministry to believers. A ministry to the world. And here's the thing, church. None of them are more important than the others. Why? Because we're all, they're all three commanded in God's word. We must have a balance within the church in order to be a kingdom-building church where we are bringing our worship to God, where we are discipling and making disciples with believers, and where we are reaching the lost world with the truth of the gospel by showing them the love of Christ. Now, now hear me when I say that. That is the ministry of the church. There are people in this room that are very specifically gifted in specific areas. There are people in this room that are amazing disciple-makers. And that doesn't mean, well, I need to hold back on my disciple-making because I need to get back to to doing some more ministry. No, you're gifted in that area. You're passionate for that area. We have people in this room that are passionate about evangelism. They can talk with anybody and bring it back to their need for Jesus. And I say keep doing it. But we as the church, when we all come together, it balances out for the, we have a ministry to God. We have a ministry to believers. And we have a ministry to the world if we're obedient. For that's the church that God wants to use to build His kingdom. Those are the little stones and pebbles He's putting in place to build His church. Why? Because we've got to know who it is that we are serving in obedience. we got to get back to doing what God called us to do well instead of trying to do a whole bunch of things just okay. For we are the church. We have a very unique purpose and design because we have a very unique image in whom we're created. And we have to get back to knowing who we are. But my question this morning is to you. What about you? What about me? Maybe as we talk about the purpose of the church, maybe you sit there and think, you know what, there are some areas in my life that I am lacking. But yes, I'm passionate about a certain area, but man, there are other areas that I'm completely bankrupt in because I haven't been pursuing. So I ask you this, first question we ask, are you a part of the church because you're a part of Christ? Because you belong to Jesus, is that your identity in being part of the church? Understand this, guys. Hear me when I say this. 
When I say, do you belong to Jesus, I'm saying, have you given your life to Christ and accepted Him as your Savior and Lord? I didn't ask about your denomination. I didn't ask about what church. I'm asking, is your heart and relationship with God right through Jesus Christ? starts there. Maybe today is the day you need to give your life to Christ. What's stopping you, man, to be loved in a way you've never known before? What's stopping Maybe, Maybe it's time for you to get over your fear or your pride, and you recognize that, man, it, it's time for me to worship a God who's worthy for me to bring my best. Because we give it everywhere else. Are we giving it to God out of obedience? Maybe, maybe this morning you need to embrace the need to be discipled. Maybe you're sitting there and saying, you know what, I've never been discipled. I really, I really do need to grow in my relationship with Christ, and I need somebody to disciple me. Holler at me. I can connect you with some godly men and women that would be glad to walk with you and disciple you. Maybe, because we have some people in this room that are a little more seasoned in their faith than others, Maybe you recognize that God's calling you to disciple someone else. And it's time for you to get a part of that process. Maybe maybe you need to open your eyes to the world around you. Every person in this room knows one person that if they were to die today, they'd bust the doors of hell wide open. What are you doing about it? What am I doing about it? Maybe it's time we open our eyes. Because remember, church, our identity will be found in who we obey. Your identity will be found in who you obey. It's time for the church to be the church. Last Sunday, Lance Breedlove, my brother, took us to the throne of God and he said, we are the church and we should be awestruck at a holy and loving God. I've thought about that a lot this week. Because if we, the church, are not awestruck by God, why should we expect anybody else to be? And if we're not, where's the evidence that we've been changed by Him? Church, we have an identity crisis. And it's time to start getting back to who we are. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, I I thank you for the privilege this morning of being with my family, being with your family. And God, I thank you for your word. But God, your word never returns void. Which means, Father, that as we open your word and and we allow its truth to evaluate us, that's what it has to be, God. When we allow the word of God to evaluate our hearts, Father God, I pray that we would be open and honest with you as you convict us of areas in our life that we are not living up to our identity. I ask, Father, that you, can, you encourage us in the areas where we are fulfilling the purpose that you created us for. God, I ask that you correct us in ways that we are doing it wrong, whether by choice or by accident. God, that you would bring truth to our lives. And God, you would rebuke us when we are just in defiance of you. But God, not just for these purposes, but for us to react, for us to respond out of obedience to the one in whom we profess Jesus is Lord. God, my first prayer as we, as we talk to you, Father, the divine privilege of calling your name, Father, is there anybody in this room 
that does not belong to you, God. They don't, they're not a part of the church because they've never been a part of Christ. They've never turned their life over to Christ. Father God, in just a few minutes, as we stand, as we sing, as we have a time of invitation, I pray that that person, regardless of age, regardless of church background, regardless of what, you're, what they think they've done, God, I pray that in humility and obedience, they would step out of their pew, they would walk down an aisle, and they would come to a staff member on either the left or the right of the stage and say, I'm ready today to be fully a part of the church. God, I pray for the lost person in this room that's been wrestling with this for a long time, that today would be the day they find their identity in you. God, I pray for the believer in this room that checked a box some time ago and has done nothing about it. God, I pray that we, the church, would get back to living the purpose of being your church. God, that's going to lead some to repentance. That's going to lead many to action. That's going to lead many to proclaim you. God, our identity crisis stems from the fact that we got comfortable saying no to you too long ago, Father. So today, will you flip the script? Teach us how to say yes again. In Jesus' name we pray. room if you'd like to be a part of that it's monday night at six uh tuesday morning at 9 30 i see miss judy right over there the the ladies bible study will be in the fellowship hall at 9 30 led by miss judy hughes if you would like to be a part of that that starts on tuesday um this coming wednesday night we have a sunday school teachers meeting at 6 p.m in this room 
Um, we'll be practicing all the same social distance rules and guidelines that we have for Sunday morning. And then just letting you know, starting next Sunday, the next two Sundays, September 20th and 27th, we will be having deacon nominations. Um, so that's going to be happening. It starts next Sunday. It goes through the 27th. You can nominate in person. You can email or call the church office. You can text me, uh, however we can, to meet you where you are. Uh, but deacon nominations will start next Sunday. Also, our golf tournament sign-up is still happening. If you want to put a team together, you can. If you're interested in your Sunday school class or your business sponsoring a hole or providing a door prize, please get in touch with Julie and let her know. Church, I love you. It's going to be a fun journey as we walk through the identity of the church, and I hope that we can do it together. But we don't come just to listen. We come seeking God to make this congregation, this church, more what He created us to be. I love you, and I hope you have a great rest of the day.